Lord. It's amazing the different things that the Lord gives us out of His Word. That just like I was telling them yesterday, we don't believe this book. I ain't never met a man or a woman that believes this book. Really haven't, have we, Ernest? Me and you hadn't believed it yet, have we? We tried, but we hadn't mastered it yet, I'll tell you for sure. I will say that the more I study the book, the more revelation God gives me from the book. And you can't read this book one time, or two times, or three times, or ten times. You've got to study it. If you'll do what God says, study this book, it'll be the most awesome book. It has changed my life forever. You know, I won't never be the same. You know, I won't never be the same. It has changed my life forever. Of all the things that I have and possessions that I've obtained on this earth, if I had to give them all up but one, there would be no question which one I would keep. The Word of God. I'd give up everything I have except the Word of God. I would fight tooth and nail for that book. Because if you don't have that book, I guarantee you the enemy will take you out. And he'll take you out prematurely. That's why we have so many Christians that die early. It's because they don't know who they are. They've never studied. I didn't. You know, the devil deceived me for pretty well 50 years. You know, and then I began to get a hold of it and now then I'm more and more and more I study the more and more revelation God gives me before we talk about what I want to talk about today I want to know has anybody got a testimony you want to give about something good God's done for you Pat come up here girl let me get you a mic we'll let you tell us what Jesus has done for you praise the Lord I think I got it on I had a new experience yesterday. Wait a minute, did I turn it off or turn it on? No, it's on. I had a new experience yesterday at my office. I had a new client come in. She was from Nigeria, and she came in for a treatment, and she was just in so much fear. And so she, I'm a colon therapist, so I said, I promise I'm not going to hurt you. (laughs) So she just kept going on and on about this fear, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I said, I command that demon of fear to stop right now. You are not going to operate in here. And boom, she just looked at me and she shut up. (laughs) And I thought, you know, and then I said, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, and you are not going to operate in here anymore. And from that moment on, she just was a different person. She just said, oh, thank you so much. This is so wonderful that you're helping me. And she just sang praises the rest of the hour she was there. But I just thought, you know, I've had enough of this. And so I exercised my authority, which I've learned here. So thank you for your teaching. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And that woman's learning who she is in Christ. You know, and of course, when you learn what she's learned, and you continue to learn, you'll realize that you know you won't never let the devil beat up on you no more. When you realize that. Anybody else got another testimony? Got anything else? Anything else? No more. Going once. <laughs> okay, come up here, young lady. Okay, praise the Lord. 
Step up from here with me so they can see you. You're short. Yeah, amen. Make this quick. Um, I was walking uh, for exercise, and I started getting this pain in my leg. And I rebuked the devil and rebuked him and rebuked him. And, and I don't pray for healing because God healed us over 2,000 years ago. So I knew it was the devil. Well, it didn't happen. It wouldn't stop. So I asked Thurman to pray Tuesday night, and it gradually just went away, and it's gone. I praise God for it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else before we get to the teaching? Praise the Lord. Come up here, brother. Praise the Lord. Um, I, I, um, I've just learned so much since I've been uh, coming to church here. And uh, just his brother Shriver's teaching has is, is really been uh, a blessing to me. And uh, I've had, uh, uh, I don't know what it, what it is or what it was, but I had a scar and it would get rough and scaly, and it would itch something terribly. And um, i just been listening to this tape in my truck, just riding listening to those tapes. And I would, uh, every time i take a bath or something, then I would anoint this leg. It was about uh, four, about four inches long and about two inches wide or something like that. And it just started getting better, and it just started getting better. And you know, I, I've been around the church a long time, but I didn't, and I still don't know a whole lot about God. But I don't understand all of God's ways and how He can heal one thing about you, and then and something else, you know, still need to be healed. But I'm I'm still seeking him. But he healed it. That's that thing just started getting better, and it started getting better, and it is just as smooth and. Amen. Praise the Lord. One other thing, I want to say this: uh, I do uh, air conditioning, heating work, and uh, I'm retired, but I'm still doing it. But I was uh, just listening to him talking about. Uh, starting uh, screws. Well, I was putting in a thermocoupling, and I had worked on that thing about oh, 25 or 30 minutes, and I could not get that thing started. So I said, well, I'm going to pray. I said, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I said, I want it to start now. Amen. And, and it, I ain't going to say it, you couldn't believe it. But that thing, when I went back in to, to try to start it, I mean, it caught right then. It just, just like I was just, just screwed it in so smooth. And I praise God for it. He, he's a mighty God. Amen. Wow, and He loves you, doesn't He? Yes, He does. Praise God. I love it. Anybody else got another one? Going once, twice, three times. Okay, that's it. Praise the King. Oh, my goodness gracious, alive. Wow, Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you and thank you for these three wonderful testimonies that you've given us today. 
Lord, how powerful they were. But the song we sing, there's power in the blood. We sang that song for years at a church I was in, and we never saw any power. It made me wonder, where was the power? But Lord, now I'm beginning to understand. It's in my mouth. And it's in my heart. It's in your mouth. And in your heart. Until I learned how to talk. And talk in faith. I never saw anything. But Lord, now that I'm learning, I praise you for all the things I'm seeing. I want to praise you, Lord, and thank you for the people that are getting a hold of these things. And that you're confirming, just like all these testimonies we've seen today, has all revolved around the name of Jesus. Every one of them. And I praise you for them. Because this name is the name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. And I thank you for the name. Now, Lord, bless us today as we talk about your word. I ask you to lock these words into men and women's heart. Touch them with your word, because we're going to talk about a lot of scripture today. We praise you and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start off today in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I've read these scriptures. I've interpreted them lots of different ways. I've used them lots of ways. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I, I think about this verse. I had stated this verse and stated this verse in 1979, the summer of 1979. I remember a day I quoted this verse. And at this day, I was in under 20,000 pounds of steel working on some equipment at 9 o'clock on Monday morning. I just got off of an airplane an hour or so before come from here, went to Houston. And I was in under that steel when all of a sudden at 9 o'clock, the king of the universe spoke to me in an audible voice. He said, son, you forgot to do your paperwork this morning. I said, Lord, that's right, I did. But I said, I'll go right back over there and do it. I just like 15 minutes under here. He said, no, son, I want you to go do it right now. Now, I'm telling you, I am hearing a voice talk to me from an invisible being that sounds just exactly like what I just heard right there. It wasn't just speaking in my spirit. He was speaking to my spirit so boldly and so authoritatively that you can't miss it. I heard a voice. And when I told him, I said, Lord, I'll go do it. And I crawled out from under there and stood up and took two steps. And that supporting structure holding that 20,000 pounds of steel exploded and that 20,000 pounds of steel I was under five seconds before was laying on the ground. And I looked up, of course, after I regained myself. You know, when you're only two steps away from something like that and it starts falling, your flesh will just respond and react. You can't contain yourself. So I was running and stumbling trying to get away from this thing, but it was already on the ground. I was already totally in safety. But when I did regain myself... 
I turned and I looked up and I said, Lord, that book, that chapter, and that verse in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it just took on a whole new meaning to me. I said, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. The price of the blood of Jesus. That's the most powerful and most expensive price anybody ever paid for anything. And he paid it for you and me. And most of us never learn it. What it means. The power that's behind it. Well, we just heard three wonderful testimonies of what happened in the name of Jesus. A little lady. A little lady's in her place of business, and she's all in fear. When she gets all of this nonsense she can stand, she says, In the name of Jesus, I command that spirit of fear to leave. And she did it with boldness and authority. And what did that spirit do? The beast left. See, we don't realize. We do not realize the power that we've been given in the name of Jesus and who we are. Now, this is the thing that it's taken me a lifetime to realize this. That when I accepted Jesus, the blood of Jesus completely washed me and cleansed me and made me a righteous, holy instrument. When God looks down and sees Thurman Scrivener, when he looks down to see Benjamin, he sees a son through the blood of his son. And when God's eyes go through that blood, he sees a righteous man sitting there on the front row. He sees a righteous woman sitting right there. But we don't see ourselves like God sees us. Unfortunately, we see ourselves because we know who we are. We know every mistake we've made. We know how many times the devil has deceived us. And we think, I'm nothing. I mean, God couldn't possibly love me. Think of all the things I've done wrong. Think how I messed up just yesterday or last night or this morning. What I've done. Who knows? You might have been coming to church and somebody cut you off and you spoke a foul word at them. You know? And the devil said, oh, if you were a man of God, you wouldn't do such dumb, stupid things as that. He really knows how to get to us. And we believe him. But when you begin to get a hold of this verse... 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You're not your own. When you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, He bought you with the most expensive price that's ever been. And at that point, He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. It took me a long time to get a hold of this while we never saw any miracles in the church I was in. We did a little bit of praying, not a lot. But I can remember, you know, whenever four, five, or six of us deacons would get together to pray over something or some, who knows what it might be. It might be for somebody or it might be for something for the church or whatever. How many times have I been sitting in a chair back there and one of the guys start praying? Oh, God, we're nothing but a bunch of unworthy sinners in here. Any of y'all ever been in a prayer meeting where anybody said something like that? Well, I have, and I used to see myself like that. I thought I was an unworthy sinner saved by grace. Well, I used to be an unworthy sinner, and I was saved by grace. But when I got saved by grace, now I'm a son of God. I'm no longer 
that devil's kid no more. I'm a child of the king of the universe. So we don't see ourselves like that. Hey, did you realize that every time we go through a healing or a deliverance or anything with anybody, with what these three testimonies we had this morning, had this afternoon, we must realize that in the name of Jesus, it's already been given to us as sons and daughters of God. Did you know that you can just stand, you can, I have, I have not seen this myself like I'm fixing to tell you, but I know a man that did. There was a woman dying with cancer one time. Great man of faith. All kinds of people had prayed over her, anointed her with oil and everything, and she just kept getting worse. Finally, one day this man of God said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go in there and we're going to get, we're going to take hands, about six of them. We're going to get in a circle around this woman. We're going to completely close this circle. And we're going to stand here and say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. In the name of Jesus, we have power and authority over you, demon of hell. In the name of Jesus, leave. And those six men got around that woman and began to quote those scriptures and began to get bolder and bolder. And within a couple hours, that woman was up off the bed, completely running around the place, totally, completely healed. But I personally have went to places and have seen a woman in her 50s that's on her deathbed that took three and a half hours to get out of bed and put a set of clue, a, a suit of clothes on because she said she was such a lady. She said, I would not allow you to minister to me in my bed in my nightgown. So she spent three and a half hours that morning getting out of bed and putting on a suit of clothes so she could be in a chair. When I got to their house, I flew down there from here on a Saturday morning. And I, I got up at five o'clock that morning, went out and caught an airplane, flew to Corpus Christi. Had to go to Houston first and then change planes, go to Corpus. I got to their apartment at 1020. Five hours later of intensive teaching of the Word of God. And I remember that day, I laid my Bible down, I said, y'all get your book out. And in five hours, I never opened my Bible, not one time. When you're doing war against the devil, you've got to have your weapons. You ain't got time to look them up. You ain't got time to be trained. You've got to have them hidden in your heart. Amen. So if you hide the Scripture in your heart, and you can sit there and quote the Word of God for five hours to somebody, you've got a little bit of Scripture in your heart. Not much, but a little. After five hours of intensive teaching, I asked this woman a question. I said, have you heard enough of God's word to be healed? She said, yes, I have. She said, you come over here and cast this devil of hell out of me, and I'm going to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. The devil heard that, and God heard that. I got up and walked over there, and this woman was going to die this week, according to the doctor. She had had breast cancer for two years, and the doctor told her last Thursday, this week will be the last week that you live on this earth. You cannot live more than another week. And by Saturday, I'm down there with the Word of God and spent five hours over that woman and I built her faith mountain high and I went over and anointed her with oil and, and agreed with her and commanded that demon of cancer to leave her in the name of Jesus. And that woman said, it's done. Jesus said it. That's it. I said, well, i got to get out here and go catch an airplane. She said, I'm going with you. She got up out of that chair, walked down them stairs, went out, got in that car. We drove out to that airport, Corpus Christi Municipal Airport there. And I said, well, I'm sure you're kind of exhausted by now. I said, it's a long walk to the end of that terminal. She said, I'm going with you. I am healed in the name of Jesus. 
That woman walked with her husband and me all the way to the end of that terminal, way out there. Back in those days, you didn't have all the security nonsense we got today, so they walked with me all the way to the terminal. Flying used to be nice, you know, but anymore it's a nightmare. Because we have not used the name of Jesus and our authority and power as a church. We've allowed the devil to come into America and take it over. Because we don't know who we are as sons and daughters of God. And then that little lady, after they waved me off and I got in that jet and they started back to Dallas. They got back in the car, walked all the way back and got in the car. She said, honey, I hadn't had a bite to eat in three weeks. Not a bite. Had tumors in her colon, everywhere else. She couldn't eat. Intestines were blocked. He said, Jesus has healed me. We're going to stop there, and I'm going to have a fried shrimp dinner this afternoon, right now, in the name of Jesus. And she did. Sunday afternoon after I got home from church, she called me and said, praise God, Thurman. I stopped and had a fried shrimp dinner. Woke up Sunday morning. Everything in my body worked perfect. In the name of Jesus. That little woman was completely healed. And within six months' time, she was back up. She was about 80 pounds when I was down there. But about six months later, she back up to about 120 pounds. Beautiful woman. Now that woman, we took the name of Jesus, the same name that these people told us about, and we took authority over this devil because Jesus defeated the forces of darkness 2,000 years ago. And today, when one of us are sick and afflicted, we refuse to acknowledge our sin before God, that we've messed up somehow, and repent, and then take the name and drive that beast out and realize it is already done. And if you're sick and afflicted today, you're sick and afflicted because you have not taken the authority and power that's been given to you in the name of Jesus. People beg. That woman, you know what she said? Two years she'd had that cancer. I walked in there, she's sitting there, and I said, what's wrong with you? She told me. She said, but I'm trusting Jesus to heal me. I said, ma'am, Jesus is not going to heal you. She said, what? I said, Jesus has already done it. I said, he paid the price for you 2,000 years ago. It's written all over this book. I said, the problem is we don't believe it. I said, you defeated the forces of darkness. I said, I'm going to prove to you today from the Word of God where Jesus destroyed, defeated the forces of darkness, and gave you and me all power over sickness and disease. But I said, you're going to have to take it away from the devil by force. I said, if you will, I said, you can be healed. And that's what happens to us. We go somewhere and get healed. How many times have I heard people that don't have a clue why they're sick in the first place and they go to a big, massive crusade like Benny Hinn? Praise God for Benny Hinn and what the Holy Spirit does down there. People go and they get healed. The Holy Spirit, the power, the worship and praise is as beautiful as I've ever seen at a Benny Hinn crusade. I've been to a few of them. It's awesome. You go there and the Holy Spirit just full. People get healed on the sidewalk. The Holy Spirit shows up. It's a battle. You know, I mean, if you don't get healed there, you know, you didn't have no faith. You didn't believe when you went. You went there just hoping. You didn't go there in faith. But the Holy Spirit flows in those places, and massive numbers of people get healed. And then when I was in the Bill Gothard conference, Bill called me up there after I'd prayed over many people and all of them had got healed. Bill couldn't believe what he saw God do. But every one of those boys I prayed for long distance over the telephone were instantly healed when I prayed for them in the name of Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? So he wanted me to come speak in these conferences. So I go to these conferences. And he said, Thurman, what do you think about Benny Hinn? I said, he's a great man of God. I love the guy. He's my brother in Christ. He said, what he's teaching don't work. I said, oh, yes, it does. 
He said, no, Thurman, it don't work. So we checked him out and followed him. I said, okay, tell me about it. He said, we checked some of the people that stood up on the platform, said they got healed of this, 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 and this. Those that said they got healed of cancer. He said, some of those people in a month or three months or six months were dead. I said, well, I don't doubt that. He said, well, they didn't get healed. I said, oh, yeah, they did. But I said, the people that got healed didn't understand what brought the sickness in the first place. Then they didn't understand how to use the name of Jesus in faith to keep the beast from coming back. I said, the devil, I mean, I said, you take the devil and you take what he did to Jesus. I said, Jesus was anointed when he walked into his ministry and he was baptized. And they literally saw the Holy Spirit come from heaven and he was descending around. You got to see him. He manifested in a form you could see. He was gliding down. Scripture says, like a dove. Everybody thinks it was a dove. It wasn't no dove. It was a Holy Ghost. But he was gliding like a dove. And that Holy Spirit, everybody got to see him. Isn't that awesome? He manifests. And he comes down and goes right into Jesus and possesses him. Now then he has this magnificent power of the Holy Spirit. Don't leave home without this. You can't do nothing without this. If you don't move in the Holy Ghost, you're in trouble. The devil going to get you. I mean, Jesus, I mean, Jesus was the Son of God. And he walked on this earth for 30 years. He'd never done a miracle. He'd never done nothing. And let me tell you, I walked on this earth a whole lot more than 30 years before I got in that book. And I believed that there was a Holy Ghost. And when I received that Holy Ghost from that day forward, I began to walk in a place I'd never walked in in my life. I'd been a Christian forever. Well, let me tell you, if you don't believe in the Holy Ghost, the second event called the baptism of the Holy Ghost... I ain't even going to try to convince you. Just go ahead and be sick and die if you want to or not walk through this life all your life and have no power. But if you want to walk where I've had the privilege to walk, you're going to have to believe God does things. He's a mighty God. Because I didn't do it either. But Jesus, I go back and check Jesus' life, and for 30 years, Jesus had no power. He never done a thing. Not one thing. Did he know the Scripture? Yeah, he amazed the doctors of theology in the temple when he was 12. But did he do any miracles? No. Can you know the word and never say a miracle? Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people in a lot of churches and know a lot of scripture that ain't never seen a miracle or never seen a healing in their life. That was me for 40 years. But I got fed up of being the son of God and never seeing God do nothing. I want to see him do something. He's, I found that he's alive in me. When I got a hold of that, hey, if the king of the universe is in me, and I can tap into that source by using the name of Jesus. I can change everything around me, can't we, Pat? When you begin to understand this, you'll begin to understand these scriptures that we're going to talk about today, that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You gave up the legal right to yourself the day you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're not your own. You do what God tells you now. You go where He tells you to go. You don't belong to you. You don't get hooked up in the things of the world no more. You use the things of the world for His glory. You don't use them for your glory. You use them for the glory of God. Nothing else. Because you do not belong to you. People say all the time, well, it's my body. I'll do what I want to with it. I said, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. Well, then you don't know who you are and you don't know who Jesus is because you are not your own. 
The scripture clearly says there in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which you have of God, and you are not your own. That couldn't be no clearer than that, could it? Ernest, you don't belong to you no more. I mean, you, don't, you belong to the king. Thank God for the privilege of belonging to the king. Think of the people out there that belong to themselves. They think. But you know who they belong to? The devil. You don't never belong to yourself. When your children are born into this world, they belong to the devil. And until they come to the knowledge that they're lost and they, don't, they need a Savior, they are children of the devil. And they're living in your house. And you want to know why they do things wrong? You don't know why you have to teach your children to love each other? You don't know why they automatically know how to fight and bite and scratch and kick? And uh, they, they know how to do that, don't they? We all know how to do that. Because we're children of the devil. And one day we become children of God. You know, if the church ever gets a hold of what that really means to be children of God. You know, the church, which calls themselves the church. I mean, we don't hardly go to church. Some people don't. I mean, I see people that call themselves Christians in the average Baptist churches I was a member of for 65 years of my life. I don't think at any one time in any Baptist church we ever had, I ever went to one, had more than 35 or 40 percent of the members present on any given Sunday. I ain't never seen 75 percent of them there in one day. Why is that? You're a member of a church and you don't come. You don't know much about God. I I didn't know much about God. I knew enough that I was supposed to be in church. I mean, every Sunday, it was a normal thing. I was going to be in my father's house. If we had Wednesday night service, I made plans to be there. We were going to have Bible study on Tuesday night. I made plans to be there. You know, if we were going to have Tuesday night visitation, I'm a son of God. I made plans to be about my father's business. I wasn't out there doing my thing. I don't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. What did Jesus tell us to do? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples, didn't he? Make disciples. That may mean your next door neighbor. And some of you are like I was for years. You know, you live next door to somebody and somebody says, that guy a Christian? Well, I don't know. Well, you ever been over to his house? Oh, yeah. We visit all the time. We go and drink soda pops together or eat popcorn together or watch television together or whatever. But, you know, maybe watch the football game together, whatever you like to do, you know. And you never talk to him about Jesus? Well, No. You want to know why you don't ever see God do nothing? You're a totally disobedient Christian. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell everybody about Jesus. That's supposed to be mine and your job. You know, if you're like I was the first 25 years of my life as a Christian, I'll have to hold up my hand and say, I never led one single person to Christ in 25 years after I became a Christian. Not one person that will lead to Christ. And I'm already a Sunday school teacher for years, a deacon in a Baptist church, and I've served on every council, every place in the church. I mean, from the building committee on down, I'd served everywhere. I never had to led anybody to Jesus. Why? Because I didn't have the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. But the day, I remember the day 
that I was in church and a pastor preached against the second event called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was a doctor of theology in a Baptist church and he preached against it. And I, that next morning, I mean, I looked at all the scriptures used and I thought, you know, this guy's not reading the word the way it's written. You know, he's doing something. He loves God with all his heart. I know this. Well, the next morning when I passed that church on the way to work, I looked over and I said, Father, I know that man loves you with all his heart, but I think he's wrong. That's not the way I read it. I said, God, I may not be the most intelligent man in the world, but I have had the privilege to learn how to read. And I said, Lord, I believe with all my heart there is a second event called the baptism of the infilling power of the Holy Ghost. And I said, Lord, if that's real, and I believe it is, Lord, would you please empower me with that power? Woo! I ain't never going to forget that day. And that little Ford pickup driving down the road, man, God came in the cab of that truck with me. And I mean, that day my total life changed. I mean, I had a boldness, and I began to witness to people. I began to talk to people. I began to get revelation about the Word of God. I began to hear God's audible voice. I began to shortly lead people to Jesus. I started learning how to pray over work. I began to learn how to get things done. In the name of Jesus, like he said there a while ago, he'd worked a half hour trying to get a, a, a thing started and couldn't do it. And then he said, in the name of Jesus. He's talking to a piece of material. Something metal that needs to be screwed in. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go in that hole. And what, how long did it take him? Come back in and turned it. One turn and it went that hole. Now, what has to bow the name of Jesus? Everything. You know why you and me suffer the things we do? Because we don't take that name and use it in faith. See, God has already given us all things. Yesterday at the healing school, I was talking about Ephesians 1-3. I used to pray, oh God, I read those, those magnificent gifts those spiritual gifts over there in 1 Corinthians where you said there's nine wonderful gifts. All these beautiful things. You know, the gift of healing, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles. Wouldn't you love to have one of those? Are you saying, oh God, how wonderful it would be if those wonderful gifts that you gave those apostles were still in action today where I could see some of those things happen today. But they told me those things don't work no more. And I've only been a Christian 40 years, and I had never seen it happen nowhere with nobody. So I thought, you know, it must be true. Because if they really worked, somebody would be living in this. But I ain't never seen nobody that did. One day I began to study this book. Then one day I come up on Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be Paul, standing on the hills of Ephesus, with both hands raised, I can see him looking up to heaven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He done what? He blessed us with how many? I got to thinking, hey God, if you bless me with those, those are already mine. I need to learn how to use them. Lord, you just gave me a... Let's just say you gave me a brand new car. I can think back in the days, you know, whenever my dad had come up, you know, from the Model T days. You know, those were quite simple automobiles. 
And then by the mid-50s, you know, I'm working at a Chevrolet house, and I'm working on an air conditioner there. And then one day, I've got an automatic transmission, an old power glide laid out there on the bench, and I'm doing an overhaul on an automatic transmission, all them little pieces. Of course, I know every piece in that thing. It's real simple because I've been trained. Dad walks in. He says, son, what are you doing? I said, well, Dad, I'm overhauling this automatic transmission. He looked at the thing. He said, wow. He said, boy, look at all them pieces. He said, you better learn that stuff while you're young. Get old like me. You can't do that no more. Dad didn't know what I, he didn't know what I know today. He would have never made that statement. My dad was only about 50 years old at that time. He thought he was old. Do you know most people today, even in church, when you get 50, you think you're old? Yeah. I mean, your body. The beast is a beast. But you got power and authority over it. Amen. You know, my dad says, son, you sure better learn that stuff while you're young. Hey. That was simple to me. But today, you go and get... You see, back in those days, all you had to do is get in the car and hit the starter. It starts. Reach up and put it in gear, and it goes. You know, a piece of cake. But now then, today, you get in, and you put your key in, and you turn the key and start it, and you want to put it in gear, and it don't go in gear. You've got to put your foot on the brake first. You know, those were non-existent. And then when you put, pull it down into gear and you start rolling, then you look up at the dash and everything's digital. And there's switches and buttons on some of these new cars all over the place. And do you know there's people out here driving new cars today that don't have a clue how to run none of them switches on the dash. <laughs> they learn just enough to crank it and put it in gear. You say, oh, isn't that nice? You can tell what the temperature is outside. Well, I never figured out how to do Well, you can push this button to tell you how far you've gone. You can push this and tell you how fast you're going. What? I didn't know all that stuff. It's all in your car, in some of you. Now then, you learned how to just barely get in that car and go from point to point. But just think, if you knew everything that what that car would do, think how much more fun you could have with that car. What you could make that thing do. But that's what's wrong with us today with these gifts. God says, I've given you every one of these gifts. I've given you the gift of faith. What? I've given you the gift of healing. I've given you the gift of miracles. Learn how to use them. And so one day I'm reading this book. I'm thinking, Lord, faith comes by hearing the Word. I've got this gift, but it's empty. I need to get in here and add something to it. So I start studying and reading, and my faith level begins to rise up. And one day then I say, hey, i got faith. Because i got some word in me. And then you start to do a project like our brother here did with the air conditioner. Man, only God knows how many times when I'd say, you know, I can't, I can't make this work. This is not working. But the Lord said, I have faith. In the name of Jesus. And you have no idea how many times I've done those kind of things with pieces of equipment that nobody could fix. I remember one time I got on an airplane. My boss called me and said, Thurman, we got a piece of equipment in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We've spent a fortune on We've had all the tech reps and everything out there, and they cannot fix that piece of equipment. He said, get on an airplane and go out there and see if you can figure out what's wrong with that thing. I said, okay. I called and asked the people to fax me a wiring diagram for this thing because it was a fairly new piece of equipment. I did, I'd never worked on it, never seen it. They faxed me a wiring diagram. I got on that airplane, and I said, 
I started looking at this thing. Of course, now I'm not a dummy when it comes to electrical wiring diagrams. I had taught some very sophisticated airplanes in my life, both in the military and outside. So I am not a new beginner to electricity, I'll tell you for sure. I understand electricity to a great degree, even electronic circuits. But I was on the way out there, and I couldn't figure out how that thing worked. I looked at it, and I, followed, I was following all them circuits through that thing, and I got about 30 minutes from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I said, Lord, I don't want to come out here and look like a dummy because I'm your son. Now, in the name of Jesus, Father asked you to reveal to me this wiring diagram and reveal to me what's wrong with that piece of equipment so when I get there, I can walk in and fix it instantaneously. And then they say, how can you be so smart? I can tell them, because you are my God and my Lord, and I serve you as my master. I looked down at that wiring diagram, and I'm telling you, within minutes, my eyes were following certain circuits, and all of a sudden, he revealed it to me, and he said, that's it. Man, I got off that airplane. I didn't want, I didn't, I just got my bag and I walked right in there and I walked in and told the guy what I needed. And I'm telling you, in 10 minutes, I had that piece of equipment fixed and working. Man. And everybody, the general manager, he said, my lands, we should have called you out here two weeks ago. Wow. He said, how did you do this? I said, it's real simple. I said, I'm a son of God. Amen. I was on descent almost out here. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, show me how this thing works. And I said, before I got on the ground, the king of the universe that lives in me had revealed to me how this thing works. And I said, that's how I knew what was wrong with it, because I am a son of the living God. Amen. And in the name of Jesus, I have power and authority over everything. You have that same power. Wow. How come I didn't use it all those years? I didn't know I had it. But when I read that book... He said, Blessed be the God and Father who has already blessed me and you with all these spiritual gifts. Isn't that what he said? Start using them. Do like Pat did. I'm a daughter of the king. There ain't no devil of hell can stand in my presence. Is that right, Pat? Yeah. So you take the authority in the name of your king. And that devil leaves, doesn't he, girl? You take authority in the name of Jesus and that thing screws in that hole. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful what you can do in the name of Jesus. But when you become a son of God, or a daughter of God, you're no longer yours anymore. You're His. And greater is He that's in you than the devil that's in the world. So, 1 John 4, 4, if that great one is in us, and He defeated the devil 2,000 years ago, and the devil's the one that blinds our mind, the devil's the one that gives us problems, The devil's the one that makes us sick. How much power do we have over the devil in the name of Jesus? Oh, so don't let the beast mess with you no more. You know, ask the Lord in faith and he will do it for you. Now then, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. 1 Thessalonians 5. 523 says, And the God, the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Now, you have no idea how many times I even called a PhD and asked him to come to my house one time, and I said, I don't. Under, this guy was a 
wheeler dealer and, you know, seminary new. I mean, he graduated. He had a Ph.D. and everything else. And I thought, well, you go to the top. Get somebody, you know, that I learned about this man. And I asked him if he'd come to my home one time. I had some questions about the Word of God. Great, devout Baptist man. Brought him out there. He came to my house. He is gracious enough to do that. And I said, my first question is, I don't understand the spirit, soul, and body. I said, the body I understand. I see this beast. But I said, the soul and the spirit I don't understand. I said, can you explain those things to me? He stayed an hour. But when he left, I was more confused than I was when he came. Let me tell you. The spirit is that part of you that come from God that's in you that's supposed to be in control. That's supposed to be the real you. That's the spirit. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the other part that lives in this piece of flesh. Now, your mind and your will and your emotions is what drive you if you're controlled by your five physical senses. Your mind, when you're born, is blank. You don't know nothing. You learn you feed information into the mind. In other words, you're putting software into your mind on a daily basis. You reach up and touch something, and you feel it's cold. You feel, you say, hey, that's cold. That's, that's, that feels cool. You look out and you say, oh, that's, that's, what color is that? It's red. Oh, okay. Now, what if your mama had looked at that pole right there and said, son, that's blue? What would you think? Every time you saw that color, that'd be blue. Because you don't know. Somebody has to teach you the colors. You program your brain, your mind, by what people tell you. Now, if they teach you wrong, you programmed it wrong. And that's what was wrong with me. With a whole bunch of life, I had been programmed wrong. I had to reprogram. I can now understand what Paul says. My desire is to go somewhere to preach the gospel where they've never heard it. He said, those will be the best kind. But if you try to preach the gospel somewhere, I mean, I I think about a gentleman just the other day. I I happened to go in a place of business, and I talked to the young man. There's two or three or four of these young men and women there. And my question when I walk in, you know, of course, I'm the customer. I don't own the place. They all work there. And I'm talking to them about some stuff, and I say, by the way, any of you people in here, young men and women, you all know Jesus? Well, little lady, she broke and said, I do. I said, you go to church? Oh, yeah. One of the young men said, well, I'm a Christian, too. I go to church. The other one, he wasn't too sure. But see, since a couple of them said they were, he, not, not, he don't want to jump and say, no, I'm not, because he'd look like an outcast, see. But, you know, I said, that's the best thing ever happened to me. Come to know Jesus. They said, wow. One of, the, one of the boys said, boy, you sure are on fire for Jesus. I said, son, when you've seen Jesus do what I've seen him do, you're on fire. He said, what have you seen Jesus do? I said, you ain't got time for me to tell you. But I said, I'll tell you a couple of things. I said, God has called me into the ministry in these these last years to teach people what makes them sick. He said, what? I said, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, sin. He said, sin makes people sick? I said, yeah. And that's what kills you, too. That's what makes you die prematurely. I said, he's called me into ministry to tell people what makes them sick and how to get rid of their sin and how to get healed. I said, he's called me to do that. And I said, I'm doing it. He said, you mean you believe all sickness and disease has caused some sin? I said, absolutely. No two ways about it. Wow. Well, that one young man, he didn't say a thing. 
we went up to an office, talked, and we sat down across the table. He said, now just you and me, I'm going to tell you, my theology and yours does not agree. I said, okay, what do you mean? He said, I will never believe that sickness is caused by sin. I said, well, son, you believe in what people told you, and you hadn't read the book. I said, have you ever read the Bible? He said, well, I've read some of it. I said, that's your problem. I said, if you read it all the way through from cover to cover a hundred times, you come back and tell me, you, won't, you can't answer that question like that, I guarantee you. I said, I can take you to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that will tell you what I'm telling you is the truth. He said, well, I'll never believe that. I said, well, you know, if that's your confession, you know, then that's what you're going to believe. And so I said, the only way to know the truth is get in the Word. Amen. Get in the Word. So anyway, we talked a little while left. A few days later, I come back by there, and the owner of the place was there. He said, I want to talk to you. He said, you come over here and talk to some of my people about the Lord. I said, I sure did. See, I am totally free. I don't work for nobody. I can't be fired. They ain't nobody can lock me up. It's in America. I can still talk about Jesus wherever I want to because I know who the king is. You know, there ain't nobody can shut me up about Jesus. It can't be done. The devil's been trying to shut people up about Jesus forever. But he's got one he can't handle here. So the man said, he's a nice, gentle man. He said, one of my uh, people told me, you said that you believe... Sickness is caused by sin. I said, absolutely. He said, I will never believe that. Then he said, Job was blameless. I said, yeah, I know. That's what he said. And he said, he was sick. I said, oh, yeah. He was sick. I said, you ever read the book of Job? He said, oh, yeah. I said, I just read it Saturday night in its entirety one more time. And I said, if you don't get the gist that what the young man told Job, that he was full of sin. And his main sin was pride. I said, if you don't get that, I said, you didn't read it close enough. I said, you need to go back and read it. He said, well, I don't believe that. I said, oh, okay. You know? I said, I'm not going to try to twist your arm. I said, you can believe anything you want to from the book. But I said, I've learned something that works. And I said, it works. I said, you know, when you get people to repent of their sins, he said, I said, you can get people healed. He said, if you think you can do that, why don't you go down to the hospital and clean it out? I said, I've already done that and been that. I've already been there and done it. He said, you've already been there and done that? I said, yeah. He said, what do you mean? I said, oh, you ain't never seen a healing miracle, have you? He said, no. I said, let me tell you what i done in Cook's Medical Center a few years ago. I told him about that experience. And I, I just told him about Kelly. He said, what? That little girl's head is torpid and her pelvis is crushed and she is out there running and playing two and a half weeks? He said, that's impossible. I said, that's why you don't ever see a miracle. Because you don't believe your God can do nothing. I said, if you think that's bad, let me tell you about Caitlin. I told him about her. He said, a brain stem reconnected? He said, that's not possible. I said, oh, you're Jesus the same size mine used to be, about this big. <laughs> but I said, mine ain't that. I said, mine made the universe. Nothing's impossible with the king. You've got to learn who you're serving. Amen. And I said, you belong to him. Isn't that wonderful? To belong to the king of the universe and to think that he's already defeated the devil and conquered sickness and disease and give you his name to take it by authority. Isn't that amazing? But see, we don't believe that until we go out and pray for people. I am completely convinced when we go, we need to get people to repent of their sins and we just need to take the name of Jesus and drive out them devils until they get delivered and healed. Out of the name of Jesus, and of course people don't understand this either, as a Christian, that when you sin, you open the door to the devil and he comes in. 
That's the thing that took me a lifetime almost to understand. When you sin, you open that door and that beast comes in. Because when you sin, you transgress the law. And when you do, I mean, you're game. When I saw this picture, when I saw this picture, I'm reading and studying this in detail. When I got to hold this picture, that is just like driving down the road at 60 miles an hour with a speed limit 60. I mean, there's a police officer out there. I don't have to sweat him. Not at all. I'm within the confines of the law. I mean, I got a current license plate on my car, you know. Now, if you're driving down the road and you look up there and you might have never seen a cop, you might have been driving for the last week and you look up at the windshield and you realize your inspection's been out for a week. All of a sudden, you see cops everywhere. Is that true? Sure. Because now you know you're breaking the law. And now you're, oh, please, Lord, give me some grace here, Lord. Well, you better go somewhere and get that sticker puddle right quick. Y'all know what I mean. No, all of us have been there and done these things. We didn't break the law intentionally, but we have broke it. Well, if they catch us, I mean, you may be driving down the road 70 one day. I mean, the other day, I am listening to some CDs, and I've got in my truck, and I go wheeling down the road, and I am praising the Lord, and all of a sudden, I look down at my speedometer, and I could not believe in my Chrysler, I was driving nearly 80. I stepped on the brake. I looked back and make sure there wasn't nobody behind me. I thought, what am I doing? You know, I'm praising God. I forgot. I just pushed down. I mean, I just got really both feet level on the floor, you know, praising the king. Well, I'm up to 80. I said, Lord, I'll repent. Praise God. I looked all around make sure there wasn't no police. Nowhere. Because I was guilty. Now, I know none of y'all ever done that besides me. You know. But I'm telling you, when I saw what I'd done, I slowed down to 60 or 65, whatever it was. I slowed down because I didn't want a ticket. You know? I knew I was breaking the law. The minute I saw this, I thought, Lord, I hadn't done this. What am I doing? I said, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm praising you and listening to this CD, and I'm all excited, and I'm not paying attention to business. But I slowed down, and thank goodness nobody saw me. But I was guilty. Now, is it just that easy to break the spiritual laws? But them devils are sitting there waiting to get you. And they come in and they torment you and they make your life miserable. You know, and people are really grossly sinning. Some of them in the church and they have no idea what they're doing. And if you understood this principle and you understood what was happening, you would do your best to not ever sin again. You'd do your best to walk holy in obedience to God's Word. Because you don't want a devil to come to your house. They will ruin your whole day. And then they come in and make you sick and afflict you and torment you. Now then, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, we realize that we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you who was in control of this three-part being most of my life. You know who it was? My body. Most people's body. You can be around someone... And when your body is in control, even your soul is in control, you will have devastating things come into your life on a regular basis. You'll be in and out of the hospital. You'll be, have sickness and disease. Your body is a beast. I hate to say that, but it is. It's lazy and it's worthless. It wants to sleep. It wants to eat. 
It wants to satisfy itself in everything there is. Your body wants to satisfy itself. How many times have I been somewhere and went down and sat down and have a bite to eat? And that's all I wanted was maybe just a hamburger. That's all I wanted. And I felt comfortably full. Oh. Oh, I guess I better not tell that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell it. The other night, Ty and I was out of town together. We went out to eat. And I wasn't very hungry, really. So I had a salad, and he had a steak. And he got full. He said, I'm full. And we get ready to leave the restaurant. I said, well, I'm just absolutely perfectly comfortable. I'm sorry. And we're, as we're walking, he put his arm around the last said, you know, a great big double dip ice cream cone. Sure would be good right now, wouldn't it? With nuts on it. I said, no, no, I don't want one. I mean, did that put the temptation to me? Oh, yeah. My body's sitting there screaming, yeah, I'd love to have one too. But I'm comfortable, you know. I said, no, I don't want one. Okay, so we go out and get in the car and he says, you know, a great big chocolate bar with nuts all over it. Wouldn't that be so good right now? I said, but I don't want one, Ty. Don't want. He said, but I want one. So we go up to a little convenience store and wheel in there and he goes and he comes back a minute later and said, they're out of ice cream, don't have it. I said, good, God's telling you we don't need that. We've already had enough. He said, but I want one. So we go back up the street to another one. And we go in there and the minute he comes out, and I, he said, you want one? I said, no, I don't want one. And guess what my brother in love did? He comes out with how many ice cream bars? <laughs> Now, he lost me. That's what, but see, his body was, he was not taking control of his body. He didn't need that no more than I did. I was full and he was full because he just had that big old thing. But his body screaming, you sure would love to have that ice cream bar. You know, and his body worn out. And after he gave it to me, my body lost out. <laughs> and I, I felt like I had sinned because I knew I didn't need it. <laughs> I know none of y'all ever done this besides me and Ty. Your body is a beast. The beast wants to be satisfied. You know, and if, if you don't, if your spirit, I mean, just think what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body. Now, we didn't do a very good job of this the other night. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Think about this. Here we are talking about this three-part being we just talked about in First Thessalonians. Spirit, soul, and body. First time I read that, I said, Lord, this is crazy. Paul says, I put my body under. He's talking to himself. Amen. I said, I said, well, I guess, Lord, I've done that. I've been out talking. Somebody said, who are you talking to? And I said, you know, somebody walk up to you and you're talking about something. Some of y'all done that just like I have, haven't you? And they said, oh, you're, t- you're talking to yourself? Why do you talk to yourself? And I thought, hmm, I guess I shouldn't say this, but I said, i got to find somebody I can have an intelligent conversation with. <laughs> I thought, no, Lord, I can't say that either. <laughs> That would glorify you, but you think about that. That's your body. That's your body responding, right, Ernest? Sure. This beast, this beast. It's you know, it's it's something else. It'll do everything it can. But you know what the Lord tell you to do? 
love everybody. Ain't how hard it is to do that? I mean, it's almost impossible. Sometimes I can get a hold of that, and then sometimes this beast gets a hold, and it takes control, and I'm out there in left field in a minute. But I know they, none of us ever done that but me. <laughs> Is that right, Donna? You've had that problem too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we all have, because we live in this beast, and it's tough. Because Paul said, if Paul said he had to make his body bring it under subjection, then guess what you and me are going to have to do? When your body wants to do something that you know it shouldn't do? Yeah. So somebody somebody treats you wrong and really treats you dirty, the body says, just get them. Does it do that? Sure. And you know, if you're not careful, you'll yield to that thing. But Paul says he beat his body, beat his body to bring his body into subjection to himself. Now, Paul had that problem. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have that problem. You're going to have that problem. Jesus had that problem. The devil come and did that same thing to Jesus. But Jesus knew how to defeat the devil. You and I are going to have to take his examples and learn how we can defeat that devil. We're going to have to bring our body into subjection. Then it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You're no longer this old wicked thing. You're a new creature. Now, I didn't see myself as this new creature for a lot of years. But one day I saw myself like Jesus sees me. I saw myself as a son of God, washed in the blood, that when the Lord looked down from heaven, he saw a righteous man, because he was looking at me through the blood of his son. And then I realized that when I knelt to pray, and I said, Oh, God, here I am, nothing but a worm, a worthless sinner. I can just see God saying, No! Are you saying that the blood of my son was not good enough to make you the instrument I said you were? I thought, Boy, when I say something like that, I am offending God. Do you want to offend God? No. You offend him. He even himself said when he was here in Luke 17, it is impossible, but offenses will come to you. I tried something here a while back and it hadn't worked. I said, I'm going to get to the point where I expect nothing from nobody and therefore I can never be offended. But I can't master that. I can't master it. I always expect things from people. I've been in the business world and I've been a man too long. I expect people to do certain things. And you do too. You do too. And when they don't meet your requirements, and let me tell you, some people can never, everybody's not the same. One person can take something and a piece of equipment or a computer, and they can do things on that thing that I couldn't even begin to do. But I can take something, and I can do things with it they can't begin to do. So if we're not careful in the world where we're skilled and trained, we'll think when somebody does something over there, they should do it at least as good as we do. And when they don't, we are offended. 
But some people will never be able to do it as good as you can because your skills are right there. So when they can't, then that's when you've got to get to where you don't hold that offense. Because you know what? I don't care who it is. Every person you'll meet in your life will be your master at something. You know? Here a while back, I was walked in a store. There was two little kids about this tall standing there in Walmart playing these games. Making these guys run, jump, shoot, do everything in the world. I thought, you know, them kids have mastered that, Keith. You know what I mean? Now, if you was to hand me that thing, them kids are my master at that game because I ain't never played that game. Yeah. I think look at they make them things, run, jump, do all kinds of things. Awesome. I thought, one day I thought, hmm, oh, that looks simple. I'll just try a little bit. Nobody's watching. And let me tell you, I found that in about 30 seconds. This wasn't, this, what, this was something that was a skill. Them two kids had done that a lot of hours in their life. They could make that thing do things, all kinds of things. And man, I thought, those kids are my master about at this game. Yeah. Everybody you meet, your master at something. So that's the way you got to look at people. They can do things you can't do. But when you become that new creature in Christ, you get delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And you get translated into the kingdom of God. And you become, according to the scripture, the next right on down for 21, it says, yeah, in 21, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now then... If you ever want to see God do anything miraculously wonderful, you've got to realize that I don't care how much you've sinned, I don't care what you've done wrong, that God sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the way He sees us. He sees us dead to sin. Isn't that awesome? That God sees us dead to sin, and He sees us as the righteousness of God through His Son by what His Son done. When you begin to get a hold of that, you will start praying in faith. You'll start doing what Pat did, what all these people are doing to come up and give testimonies today. You'll realize that you are a son or a daughter of God, and that the name of Jesus is yours to use for His glory. And you can master things. Now look at Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Who does he tell to present your bodies a living sacrifice? Who does he tell to do that? You're supposed to do that. God ain't going to do that for you, is he, Ernest? In other words, he has given you the power. He's given you all these spiritual blessings. And everything that was available to Jesus is available to you. And that's says, you take all this power and you use it, just like my son Jesus did. Do you know one day I was studying the scriptures and it became a revelation to me that on this earth 
the devil killed Jesus because he thought, since this is the only holy man that's ever walked on the earth since Adam, if I can get rid of him, I will have mastered everything. He had no idea what he was doing when he killed Jesus. Scripture says if he had known, he would have not done it. Because he didn't realize that now then once he killed Jesus, and he went to hell for you and me, and then he rose from the dead, and the day he ascended, when he came back in the form of the Spirit, everybody that accepted him had this same Jesus in them. Now then we've got a room full of Jesuses in here. You ever see yourself as Jesus? Well, you need to. Because he's in you. And the same power and authority that was in him is in you. And when you speak in his name, demons flee. And if you do it in faith, the devil's leaving. People get saved. They get healed. You get your prayers answered. I mean, you can stop. You have total dominion and power in the name of Jesus. The devil says, are you fixing to start to do something like Pat started to do this? I'm going to cast this devil out. And the devil says, oh, but Pat, you remember all the bad things you've done to her. Remember, yesterday even you messed up somewhere. He said, oh yeah, but I've got that under the blood. And I'm repentant of that sin. And now then, in the name of my Jesus, I'm kicking you out. And the devil said, good grief, this girl knows who she is. I guess i got to leave. And sometimes he don't leave the first time you go to kick him out. And this is what happens. Whenever Bill told me that, Bill, that many hens ministry didn't work, he said that many of these persons that said they got healed, later they died. I said, well, the reason they died is because nobody had taught them what caused, what brought the sickness on. They didn't realize it was sin. And then when they got healed, they went out and felt so good, many of them went right back to the same sin they'd been doing. And so it called this demon back to them, and when he came back and put symptoms on them, the first words out of their mouth was, I thought I was healed. And that's all it took. And that was sin. And that devil come right back in. And he kills you. Now then, if you'd have known, if every Christian knew their authority as a child of God, when the devil comes upon you to put a symptom upon you, the first thing you do is say, Lord, where did I miss it? What did I do to open the door to this devil? Oh, the Holy Spirit says, that's it. You did this or you got this unforgiveness or you said something nasty to your brother, your sister, whatever. Or you did, you said, Lord, I repent. I repent in the name of Jesus. Now then, in the name of Jesus, you devil of hell's got these symptoms on me, you're out. But you know what we do? Symptoms come upon us. I don't care what it is. Maybe an arm, maybe a growth. First thing we do, I mean, we as Christians, we really are good at running to the doctor to see what's wrong with us first. I mean, some of you are getting a hold of this. Some of you learn that you pray and you take authority. And when you learn your power and your authority in the name of Jesus, any time a symptom comes upon you, you really don't need somebody to pray for you as a child of God. All you need is name of Jesus. Now then, I want you to, we've got another scripture down here I want you to turn to in Acts chapter 3, verses 6 and 12 and 16. I want you to see in these verses, in Acts chapter 6, or Acts chapter 3, we're going to read verse 6 and 12 and 16. I'm going to paraphrase them when you get there. Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 6. 
At the beginning of that chapter, this is a perfect example of what we can do in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John's on the way to church. What a good place to be going in the middle of the day. And they walk up on the steps, and there's the devil right there on the front step. A man that's been crippled since birth. And he's begging for money because he can't work because his legs are all messed up. Who knows what opened the door to let that devil in? But he says, alms, alms, money, money. Peter looked down and he said, I don't have no money. I got something a whole lot better than that money. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What did he say? In the name of who? Jesus. Jesus. He commanded him to get up and walk. And he didn't say, now Lord, if it be your will, will you heal this man? He looked down and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That man looked up at him and that guy said, what? I can't walk. I've been paralyzed all my life. Peter reached down and grabbed that man by the hand. He said, I said, get up. And he jerked him plumb out of there. When he did, he jerked that demon right out of that man. I mean, he jerked him up. And he said, I said in the name of Jesus, get up. And that man jumped up and his legs were strong. He went running up and down the temple steps and everything, praising God. And over there in verse 12, how did you do this? 12 and 16. He said, if you think it's by my holiness or my righteousness this man stands before you, he'll let it be known as by faith in the name of Jesus. Now, was it by his holiness? What if Peter had a little sin in his life? Oh, you know, Peter, he never done nothing wrong, did he? Oh, yeah, he kind of like me. He made lots of mistakes. Peter and me a whole lot alike in that realm. We both made lots of mistakes. But I got a feeling most of us are like that. But Peter knew who he was in Christ. That's where you and me got to get. When we get there, we realize that when we pray in the name of Jesus, the demons of hell have got to leave. Did you know when I got a hold of those things? That's why when I started praying for people, when I started driving out devils, and commanding them to leave, and then I'd say, now I guarantee you you're delivered at healed because Jesus made you the promise. I can just see the king saying, Devil, did you just hear what my son said? I said, he said in my name, I've given him authority and power over you. Now he just commanded you to leave. And so you got to get out of there. I can, the king standing here, the devil standing over here, some poor little man or woman sitting there, and I'm here in the flesh commanding this devil to leave. That devil said, I ain't going. I said, you're going in the name of Jesus. After I may say this three or four times, and all of a sudden, I'm doing this in bar faith. All of a sudden, the king walks up and he says, What is it you don't understand what he just said? Wow. <laughs> Whose side's he on? Whose side's the king on? Our side. We're not trying to persuade the king to do something he's reluctant to do. He's the one that defeated the devil. He's the one that gave us the power. And Peter says, If you want to know how I did this, it wasn't by my holiness. If I was trying to get these devils kicked out, me and you were trying to kick out devils by our holiness, we would never get one kicked out, would we? No. All that devil have to do is say, Oh, Thurman, you and Ty, you guys have made a mistake a lot of times. Let me go back and name all the mistakes you... I thought, I don't care. I've made lots of mistakes. Ty knows he's made lots of mistakes. But we know we washed in the blood now. Amen. 
and it's the holiness of Jesus. It's by faith in His name. Because how many mistakes did Jesus make? None. How many sins did He commit? None. The devil don't have nothing against Him. Nothing. And when the king walks up, the king said, Now I have down defeated you, you beast, and all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And when, I can't think of nobody I'd rather have on my side than him. Can you? When you get a hold of this, you will never let sickness and disease hold in your body. Next time when a pain or a symptom comes upon you, or the devil shows up in your house to try to mess with your kids or anything else, you will go over in the name of Jesus. I remember hearing Kenneth Copeland tell a story one time years ago. He was learning these things. He said he was raising his kids. They were all little. One night they were all sick. I think he had two or three, whatever he had. He, they were all sick. He went and he prayed over and prayed over and prayed over. And it's, nothing was happening. And the Lord finally told him, to just go in there and use my name, cast the devil out, and they'll leave. So he goes in and commands the devil to leave in the name of Jesus. He said, I waited and waited, and they're all still laying there sick. So he said, I did it several times. Oh, Lord, this don't work. He said, it was working fine until you made that statement. What? He said, sometimes it takes a little time to get things done. You go in there and command that devil leave, and then you go back in there and drink your coffee, and you take it easy, and I'll take care of what's going on in the bedroom. Amen. Well, Kim got a great revelation from God. He goes in and puts his hands on them kids and said, According to the Word of God, you devils are out here. My kids are going to wake up totally well in the morning. Now, it's done. God, they're in your hands. I cover them up, and I'm going to go have my coffee. He said, The next morning, them kids woke up. All of them woke up healed. See, that's where we miss it. We go and pray over them and say, Oh, God, please, if it be your will, my kids are sick. Would you please heal? Oh, he already done it. See, get rough with the devil. Take the authority he's given you, just like Peter did in Acts chapter 3. What did Jesus do? Walk up and say, oh, God, if it be your will, will you heal this man, this cripple? What did he do to that guy? He said, in the name of Jesus. Did he pray for that guy? No. Is that what he did, Ernest? In the name of Jesus. That was a lead, didn't he? And when you command sickness, disease, whether it be a tumor or a cancer or anything, in the name of Jesus, when you do it by faith, what happens to it? It goes. But you've got to do it in faith. And then when you leave, if you can't teach those people that they've got to have that, that faith and the confession has got to stay. It, because when, if you walk out after you prayed for them and that devil had to leave, and if you don't spend a lot of hours teaching people the Word of God, I mean, they will go by what they, their five physical senses tell them. I think about Judy. There she was so weak and so sick and afflicted. How many people have I gone and prayed for that's got cancer? I lay hands on them in total faith, get their sins ripped. I command the devil to leave. And I, and I said, it's done. Get up. But Thurman, I hurt so bad. I ain't got no energy. I said, you believe you're healed? Well, I don't know. You don't believe the Word? Well, Thurman, if it's God's will. I said, His will is? He healed you 2,000 years ago. Get up. And whenever you see somebody that does, when they do, by faith, guess what happens? The devil leaves. And they get hit. that's what happened to Judy that day. I had built her face so high in five hours. I will never forget that little woman. 
when she said, you come over here and drive this devil of hell out of me in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Now then, did the Word of God say you can have whatever your confession is? Mark eleven twenty three. I went over and anointed that woman with oil, drove that devil out, and now she's got to act. Did she feel any different? Probably not. But she said, if Jesus has already healed me, then praise God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go down them stairs and I'm going to that airplane and I'm going to see you off. Now she could have said, Thurman, I sure appreciate you coming down here and praying for me, but I'm so weak, i got to get back in that bed. And if she had, guess what? She would have died in the next couple of days. But she took what was rightfully hers and drove that beast out and got healed, just like Peter said there in Acts chapter 3. Now then, listen to these scriptures. And we're going to quit just in a minute. minute. Listen to what Jesus said. This is why I say, I read this book for years and I didn't believe it at all. And now I'm having a hard time with it. I'm doing the best I can to believe it. And that's why I get to see something like I do. I had a man yesterday at the healing school tell me, he said, I'm a pastor here in the local area. And he said, you are the, and he's one year younger than me. And he said, you are the only man I have ever known in my life. He said, these things you talk about on your tapes, he said, I have to assume those are real. He said, I ain't never seen a miracle. I ain't never seen a healing. Sixty-six years old. And he said, I've never touched a man that's walked in the miraculous. But he said, you do it. If what you say on these tapes is real, you're doing it. I said, sir. That's why when I talk on the tape, I give people's names, cities where they live, and everything else. You can call them. I said, these things are real. They really do work. See, listen to what the Scripture says in John 14, 12. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I tell you. this, This is the King talking to you as children of God. I read this, but I didn't believe this. Because I never saw anybody else in the church walking any kind of power. So I thought, this must have been to this to the apostles. It couldn't be to us, but it was. Look what Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me. Not the apostles. He that believeth in me. Do you believe in Jesus? I do. I do. The works that I do. Shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going unto my Father. Now, why, for 40 plus years of my life, I never saw a miracle? Never saw a healing? Never had the faith to walk up to someone and say, In the name of Jesus, I command that tumor to fall out of your body. Somebody said, You mean you think you can do that? No, used to, I didn't have any idea. But now I know I can in the name of Jesus. Because it ain't by my righteousness that devil's going to leave. It's by my faith in the name of the Holy One of Israel, the Son of God. And that's why in the last 10 or 15 years, I have seen my miraculous world that I've had the privilege to live in, the miracles that I've seen God do has gone over into the hundreds now. But the healings and the deliverances have gone into the thousands I couldn't even begin to tell you the number of people that have been healed. I mean, some of the people have been delivered and healed just listening to our teaching. You know that? 
They just get a hold of what God said in His Word. It wasn't Thurman Scrivener He sent to heal you. It was His Word. The only thing I do is bring the Word. But when I bring the Word and I speak it in faith, it works, doesn't it? Uh, if it'll work for me, who did Jesus say it work for? Honest, will that work for you? I mean, praise God. That's a right confession. That's a right confession. Jesus said it. If Jesus, that's good enough for me and you, ain't it? I can do it. If Jesus said I can do it by faith in His name, then you're going to have to take those gifts He give you and you're going to have to get out there and start exercising those gifts. You're going to have to train those gifts. I think about that new car. You know, somebody, you go down and buy a new car. Well, some of them today, they want to get you out there in a hurry. They say, oh, but here's the owner's manual about this thick. Be sure and read it. It's got a lot of things you need to know about the car. Used to an owner's manual had two pages. Now they're a book. A book. Ty and I this last week went to school on the, he bought a new airplane. We went up to Kansas and got it this week. The owner's manual is about that thick. And then the instrument, book on the instruments is about that thick. And then the, the other book that tells you the rest about the airplane is about this thick. And we went to school all day one day. And then I flew in it all day one day. And he flew in it all day one day. And we got in that thing and started home. It's like we had a brand new cockpit in our hands. We still didn't know very much about it. We're in the book. He is getting over the back seat to get the book down so we read how to make this thing go. <laughs> I said, Ty, would you sit down? <laughs> He had buckles. He sees that crawls over the back seat. Slides it back, crawls over the back seat to get his buck. Oh, but we got home. Praise God. <laughs> but let me tell you, let me tell you, three days of intensive study, and we just barely know enough about that airplane to barely be safe. Just barely. Now then, <laughs> training is. Of the utmost. It just happened to be we're just doing some little something in just a little tiny four place airplane. That's all we were doing. Can you imagine you get this owner's manual, the Word of God? It's about that thick and it's got fine print. And if you don't read that book, you're never going to learn how to fly your life according to the Word of God. I can tell you when it comes to airplanes, Keith. Sitting there is an airline pilot. He flew the fighters in the, I mean, the military. He has got more flying experience than probably nobody in this room flew as many different airplanes as he has. But I'm going to tell you today, with his experience, and he's flying virtually every day for the big boys right now, big jet airplanes. What I'm going to do, if they take him out of the airplane, he's flying, put him in another one. You know what he's got to do? He's got to go to probably a two or three week ground school on that airplane before you can fly it. Don't they, Keith? Yeah. I mean, see, so you have to have training and everything's not the same. So, if we, as Christians, want to know how to fly our life and live the abundant life, you're going to have to study the Word of God. Amen. Not just read it. You've got to study it. Because look what Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes in me, the works that I do, shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going to my Father. And look in verse 13 and 14. And whatsoever you shall demand in my name. That's what that really means. Not just ask. I looked it up in the Greek. And the first time I read that, whatsoever you shall demand in my name, I will do it. I thought, God, why, is, why do I have to demand for you to do something? One day he revealed to me, Son, 
I've already defeated the devil, but he's a resistance cuss. You have to take it away from him by force. Well, that's why you have to walk up to somebody, put your hands on them, and say, In the name of Jesus, I demand, according to the Word of God, you leave. Now, sometimes a little demon will be a little one. You know, and I remember one time Cheryl had that big fire burning in her stomach, and I mean, I just laid hands on her that night and said, In the name of Jesus, bam, it was gone. In five minutes, she is sawing logs. But then I remember, I remember one day when these little things began to come up all over her face. Honey, come in here. I went out looked, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. I said, they're gone. Next day I come in here, she said, they're still here. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. After about the third day, she said, you have sinned. Because <laughs> see, they ain't gone away. See, they're going away and the Word of God is working. I said, no, no, honey. There's just more of them. I said, those are just demons. Those are spirits that are coming out of you. And I said, we get them every time I speak in the name of Jesus. They're leaving. But I said, there just happened to be a bunch of them in there. I said, we're going to drive them all out. And we stayed with it day after day. I knew my authority as a son of God. I knew these demons have to leave in the name of Jesus. So, and when they wouldn't get what it wasn't all gone in a week or even a month, I stayed with it. And every one of them went away. You don't never give up when you realize you're a son or a daughter of God. And in the name of Jesus, all power. Look at what the Lord says. And whatsoever you shall ask or demand in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We're daughters and sons of God. We've got the name of Jesus to use. Isn't it amazing that the devil beats up on us so? Well, you ain't going to let him beat up on nobody's your house no more, are you earnest? In the name of... No, no, you ain't going to try. You're going to do it. I don't never want to hear you say that again. I'm going to punch you out of my brother in Christ. I'm going to try to keep him out of my house. Do you hold that? That's why I have to get so rough with my brother in Christ. I'm serious, folks. You know, we've got to, we've got to believe this. In the name of Jesus... This, do y'all realize... I mean, we're having a lot of fun here today. But do you realize this is not a game we're playing? These devils, they don't play games, do they? I mean, these devils kill us. I mean, they, they have bound up people. And, and many people in the church today are bound by the forces of darkness. And if you get a hold of who they are in the name of Jesus and drive these devils out, you can get healed and delivered. And when I begin to believe that by faith, I mean, when Jesus said, that you can do this and you take this scripture right here. In fact, when he's in John 14, 30, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. I mean, I think I go back to that man in Louisiana whenever I laid my hands on that woman. I, what was her name, honey? Norma. Norma. She came up shaking. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I got Parkinson's and lupus. And she was shaking like this. And I just walked, she's walking around down. I put my hand on her shoulder and said, In the name of Jesus. And that's all I said. And bam, her hands just got steady as a rock. And I didn't realize she was instantly healed of both Parkinson and lupus right there. I mean, at the, that's all I did was lay my hand and say, In the name of Jesus. And then, boy, when she got steady, I thought, Oh, praise God, the gift of miracles that come upon me. I mean, you know, boy, I run over this guy sitting here on the front like this. I said, What's wrong with you? And he said, I had a tractor 
I was on a tractor and a big tree fell on me 21 months ago and crushed both my legs. He said, they done surgery on me, but they say, I'll never walk again. I said, but Jesus said in John 14, 13. Amen. Now, how many of us believe that? Anything? I mean, hey, I, believe, I knocked down house, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to restore them knees according to John 14, 13, make his legs perfect. So this man get up and run around here in Jesus' name. I said, you believe that, sir? I said, thank you, Lord, it's done. He said, I believe it. I said, okay, take them things off. We've got to do something now. We've got to walk. He started unstrapping that steel. He took that stuff off, and he pulled his legs up under him a little. I said, get up in the name of Jesus. I reached up and grabbed him. I said, get up. He stood up and said, oh, Mr. Shivner, it hurts. I said, I know that devil's going to make it hurt, but don't you believe him. I said, come on. I jerked him. He took his out. I said, come on. Man, you've got to be forceful sometime. Did Jesus say we could do these kind of things? But that devil said, oh, you old worthless beast, you. You know God wouldn't do nothing good for an old unworthy critter like you. I said, it ain't by my holiness I'm doing this. It's by faith in the name of my king. In the name of Jesus. And after three steps, I turned him loose. I said, go. And he walked around that podium three times and broke down out of the center aisle. And that man, Johnny Brumfield, is his name in Manny, Louisiana. He ran all the way to the back of that church and all the way back to the front with both hands up screaming, God is awesome. Amen. And the next, that evening, one of the women that was there went home and she says, uh, Honey, I saw a very unique miracle tonight. Oh, you did? Yeah. I was down at this little certain church down here. Little town now, not but two or three, four thousand people there. He said, what did you see? He said, I saw a man that had braces on his legs that was crippled. When this man prayed for him, he got up and ran out to the back door and back. Now, the guy was the owner of the bank in town. He said, yeah, sure you did. How much did they pay that guy to do that? She said, no, I know this guy. She said, who was it? He said, who was He said, Johnny Brumfield. Johnny Brumfield, the Johnny Brumfield that works for me? He said, yeah. The one that the tractor and the tree that I paid his insurance for the last two years? Yeah. You saw Johnny running? Yeah. He said, that preacher going to be there tomorrow? She said, yes. He said, I'm, I'm going to be there tomorrow. I'll give him 30 minutes. And that's exactly what he did. He came the next day and he stayed 30 minutes. And then he left. And Johnny Brumfield is still running and playing. Is that awesome? Well, what did God say we could do? Isn't it it terrible, the unbelief that's in the church today? Don't y'all think we need to get rid of this unbelief? If God will do this for a critter like me, my goodness what He might do for some of y'all. You know, you think, golly, Thurman, he's messed up lots of times. Yeah, I have. I'll agree. And I still make mistakes. And if God does these kind of things for me, that's a pretty good sign he's not doing it because of my holiness. Right, Deborah? Is that right? He's doing it because of his son's holiness. And I'm doing it by faith in the name of the king. If he'll do it for me, who will he do it for? He'll do it for every one of us. So see, you don't need to be prayed for when you learn this. You, all you need is faith in the name of your king. And is he always with you? Yeah. And artist, 
You ain't going to try it no more at your house, are you? You're going to do it. That's right. Praise God. To see, that's the difference between that unbelief and belief. When the minute you say, well, I'm going to try this, the devil says, ah, oh. <laughs> I've had him fooled all this time. He ain't never going to get there. But when Ernie says, you devil of hell, I believe the word. It's mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm not speaking the name of my Jesus. It's done. That devil said, whoop, I guess I better leave that house. I go find me another one. Because that's what you got to, you got to believe that on this. And your confession, the devil's listening. He is listening. And see, your confession is what ruins you. When you learn that you take the word and you act on the word, and then you get up and say, it's done. Because Jesus said it, it's done. I have seen hundreds and hundreds and even into the thousands of people that left a healing school that didn't receive a single thing as far as they could tell after they were prayed for. But within a day or a week or a month, their confession was, Jesus said it, praise God, I'm healed. Jesus said it, I'm delivered. Somebody said, what about that pain in your back? It's gone. I refuse. I'm going to make bring my body into subjection. I'm talking to my body. And body, you're going to line up with the Word of God. You know, it's amazing. Just like last night, I sat there with a pastor after dinner or at dinner. And he said, I know you must be exhausted. I thought he wasn't hearing a thing I was saying today. I finally, after about the third time I looked at him, I said, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, okay. I am not tired. In fact, Cheryl said, he don't get tired. You know why I don't get tired? Because guess who's in control of this beast I live in? My spirit. I don't have to have something to eat. I understand what Jesus said when he said, Lord, you must be hungry. Man, you didn't have nothing to eat today. You ministered to people all day long. Here it is, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Aren't you starving? No, I ain't hungry at all. I have food that you know not of. Did the king say that? What was he doing? He was talking to his body. You know, but if you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I am starved. Ooh, I've got to have a great big breakfast. And I can't make it till 1030. I've got to have something else. Your body says, I love it. And then you have a donut and a coffee at 10.30. And then you say, ooh, 10.30? But I, don't, I hope I can make it to lunch. I mean, you see people do this. And that body is in control of you and not your spirit. If your spirit's in control, you're going to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the king. And if your body starts gaining weight, you're going to have to take authority over your body and say, nobody. You ever think about, just like Dave. When Dave got healed of his terrible problem he'd had all those years, and he first started walking out there in the sun, and his skin began to crack. He said, Thurman, this is the first time I've ever been walk out in the sun, but he said, my skin's beginning to crack. I said, Dave, you've got to talk to your body. You gotta tell it. You gotta tell the oil glands in your body. I command, they better not be working. You command them in the name of Jesus to produce the proper oils so that your body will be able to go out and sustain the sun with no problems. He started doing that. And this summer, I guess this is the first summer in his whole life that he's been able to take his little son 
go out there in the sun with short sleeves on or shorts and walk around and not be afflicted by the sun. See, now he had that dominion and authority all of his life, but he didn't know it. Didn't, but he knows it now. Really knows it now. So when the devil tries to do something to him, uh, no, no, in the name of Jesus, that's it. You've gone on, that, that's it. No, no devil, no, in the name of Jesus. Hey. But now, if something happens to you and you, a pain or a symptom comes upon you, see, you've got to speak to it in the name of Jesus by faith, and sometimes you have to get rough with it, but you don't ever yield to it. If it's still there tomorrow, you say, oh, you got to wake up this morning. One night here, not too long ago, maybe three or four or five years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night with a splitting headache. I mean, it felt like I had a vice on my head. I said, no! In the name of Jesus, I have dominion and power over you. I said, get out! Now, a normal person would have said, let me go to the medicine cabinet and get me a couple of Anisons. But that's unbelief. In my medicine cabinet, I don't have a medicine cabinet. I don't have any bottles of medicine in my house. I don't take them. But your faith may not be where mine is. Well, mine certainly wasn't there most of my life. So I'm not condemning you if you're not there yet. But I'm just telling you what's available. If you get in this book and believe it, you can get to the point where you won't need a medicine cabinet. I mean, you will take authority over these things in the name of Jesus, and you'll drive out these things, and you'll take these mighty promises, and you'll start believing them, where the king says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask or demand anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does that limit? What is that limited to? Nothing. In your world, the world you live in, I don't care if you're a secretary, I don't care if you're a cook, and I don't care if you're a laundry worker, I don't care if you're a mechanic, I don't care if you're a doctor, I don't care what you are, you can take the name of Jesus and you can transform the entire world that you live in in the name of Jesus. I know, I've done it. In the engineering world, I mean building, building, designing equipment, whatever you do. I mean, you can ask God for visions and dreams, and He will do it for you. you know, I have had Him do it for me. It's awesome to see God do, live in that place. But that's the abundant life that He promised. But most of us read these promises, well, that's nice. Whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, now, God, if it be your will, please, Lord, will you help me out? He says, no. No. Already done it. Until you get a hold of this by faith, it ain't going to happen. But see, when Peter walked up there, this is the example we've got to use. When Peter walked up to that crippled man, he said, I don't have no money. But i got something a whole lot better than money. I realize what's tying your legs up is the devil. In the name of Jesus, I command you to get up and walk. That's just like that young man. It came to about eight healing schools. I kept telling him, it's done. Rusty. He came to about eight healing schools. You remember him, Sharon? Were you here the day he came and gave his testimony? You remember that? Yeah. He walked in that door. I looked at him and said, praise God. He, every time he'd been here before, been in a wheelchair. Been about eight of them. I looked up and he walked in the door and said, praise God. I said, what, what happened? 
as I sat in my wheelchair the other day and I was reading this stuff and listening to some of your tapes and all that stuff and said all of a sudden it became a revelation to me it's already done Jesus has already healed me it's done he said I don't know how many times I heard you say that but he said it had never become a revelation to me till that day he said I said if Jesus had already done it I don't need this wheelchair and he said I got up and walked out and he walked in that day first time I'd ever seen him when he walked in a wheelchair and at the Halfway point at 3 o'clock on the healing school, I said, anybody want to give a testimony? He said, I do. He jumped up, come up here and give us his testimony. He said, I'm not staying for this afternoon. I'm going home mow my grass. <laughs> Keith, we might not think much about being able to mow grass, but when you ain't been able to mow grass, it's a good thing to be able to mow grass. I don't want to sit in a wheelchair of my life. Do you? But he had sat in one, I don't know how many years, Rusty had sat in a wheelchair. But he got it. And he got up and walked out. And he wasn't even at a healing school. Although he'd been to about eight of them. How, many, how does faith come? By hearing. Does that mean you hear it one time? That's why we keep coming back to church and keep going over the same thing. Somebody said, you sure do teach on healing a whole lot. I said, yeah, when I get everybody healed, I'm going to go on to something else. You sure do talk about your authority over the devil a whole lot. I said, yeah, when everybody learns who they are in Christ, or kicking that devil out doing what Jesus said, then we'll go on to another subject. But you've got to believe God. You know, some people sit just unexcited about the Word. They don't believe what I say. There's some of you here today don't believe a thing I've said today. I can see it in some of your eyes. You're thinking... I don't believe that. But some of you get it. But I don't feel bad. Because when Jesus was there, some of them got it and some of them didn't get it when He taught it too. Some of them got healed and some of them got up and screamed and run and played and some of them stayed sick and afflicted. You ain't never going to get... I had a preacher call me the other day and said, Thurman, I've got to be... I've got to get this healing stuff down pat and i got to know beyond a shadow of doubt that when I teach it, I can get everybody in my church healed before I start preaching. I said, forget it. Find you something else to do. I said, do you believe in salvation? He said, sure. I said, is everybody in your church saved? He said, well, probably not. I said, why? He said, well, I guess the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted them yet. I said, okay. Same deal when it comes to healing. Same deal. I said, if you wait till you get them all saved... You might as well not ever get you a church. But see, if you teach it to them long enough, guess what they're going to do? You know, I went to church every time the door was open. I was only 11 when I finally accepted Jesus. And I was at Baptist church. I wonder how many times I'd heard the message preached. Probably at least a couple of thousand. But that was kind of, had a rock up there. But I was 11. Some of y'all might have been 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 before you got it. But maybe you got it at five. But healing is the same thing. Your power over the enemy is the same thing. Some of you go out of here and let the devil beat up on you all week long. But yet you can take the name of Jesus. Some of you go out there and you'll struggle. I can think of a gentleman that used to come to this church. He's a computer programmer. He used to have trouble. And some, once more he'd get into a program and he'd just say it'd take days to figure it out. He said one day I was in one and I was working on it for days. Hours and hours. And then I thought about what you said. We have dominion. We can pray. I turned and I said, Father, 
in the name of Jesus, I need you to help me fix this computer program. I've been working on this thing for hours and hours and hours, and I can't make it work. But, Lord, you told me to ask anything. I said, Lord, I know you know what the problem is. Would you show me? Thank you, Lord. It's done. He went back and he said, Thurman, as God is my witness, within five minutes I had that thing fixed. What can you do in the name of Jesus? It's not just for healing, is it? The name of Jesus is for you to use any way you need to use it for the glory of God for as you go through this earth and live the abundant life as a son or a daughter of the King of the universe. So whatever you do, don't let that devil beat up on you. Take that name and get it done. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for these three awesome testimonies. Lord, only you could have done what you've done today. Only you knew I was going to teach on the name of Jesus. And Lord, you put three testimonies up here today, powerful at the beginning, that confirm with other people what can happen when they speak in the name of Jesus. Lord, you never cease to amaze me. But I praise you and thank you that I have the privilege to serve you. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless everyone here today as they go this week. Ask them, Lord, I ask you to reveal to them the truth of your name and the power of your name. That at the name of Jesus, everything has to yield. Whether it be in the spiritual world, the physical world, anywhere, you've sent us that name to let us use on this earth so we can be blessed and be blessed abundantly. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For, Lord, I just want to tell you how grateful I am that out of the multitudes of the millions that's on this earth today, that I have been one. And these people here today, each one of them have been one of the people that's so fortunate to know you as our Lord and Savior. For as I thank, Lord, in this city... Right now, today, the majority of the people, by far, that's running around on these streets right now, if the rapture came today, most of these people would still be here. Lord, help us to do a better job. We've not done a very good job of telling people about Jesus. Help us this week to talk about you to everybody we come in contact with. Satan, we rebuke you and command you to not blind the minds of these people. Father, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit in advance to begin to convict people of sin so when we talk to them about Jesus, they'll come into the kingdom. We'll get them saved. We know this is a goal. This is the fruit you're waiting for. And you put that in our hands to make it happen. Thank you, Father, that somebody taught me so I could become a child of yours. I am so grateful. So, so grateful. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.